I'm going to call it right now. I'm going to lock it up. Virginia Tech's winning this game. Totally confident. I think the freshmen aren't ready for this type of game in the conference. Kennard, they're going to be all over Kennard. No Grayson Allen means they got to go into their bench early. Virginia Tech is ready. This is Buzz Williams' third year. He did it with Marquette. He's going to do it here again. Virginia Tech's winning this game. I'm calling it right now. I'm telling you this one. I only go to locks when I'm sure. I'm telling you, Creighton is beating Villanova. I've been saying it for a week. I think that they're ready to go. They're being underrated. They dropped a spot. How's that possible? In the rankings, Villanova had a world of hurt against DePaul at home. They were in trouble in that game. Creighton Mm -hmm. is going to win this game. Hello? What? Sure, I'll do it. I just had something canceled the same weekend. Okay, great. Bye. You know, life is amazing. I just lost a job, and five minutes later, get another job, same weekend, same money. You know who you are? Even Steven. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. That's right, and if this is any sign of what 2017 is going to be, Gus, I'll take a little even, Steven. Big predictions, bold predictions, win one, lose one. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year, Mike Randall. Congratulations on going even, Steven. Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Many thanks to all of you. For your personal choice of consumption for the Screen the Screener podcast, we're crafting this particular college basketball nomadic voyage on the evening of January 4th, 2017. Again, Happy New Year. We aim to improve your commute to and fro, fill that white space during that solo lunch. And that's right. I think it's just about time to start getting ready for March. Yeah, it's coming. Thankfully, it's only a few months away now. So... So thankful, so humbled, and honestly honored to chat NCA Hoops with you, Mike, and our ever-increasing audience. Ahoy out there, D. Scott NCC, or at D. Scott NCC. Good luck casting out your next line. Uh, Ahoy out there, at Shark Tank 702, hashtag running rebels. And welcome out there, at Jared Pro PBS. Welcome, y'all. Happy to have you. And we're thrilled as we hit 2017. We have a lot of exciting things coming up for you on the Screen the Screener podcast. So many things. Gus, the first thing is that we are in an amateur podcast championship sort of vote contest here. We're asking you now if you can go to monkeysfightingrobots.com. Maybe, Gus, the greatest website name I've ever heard. Uh, We are up for uh, the amateur, best amateur podcast. So if you go to that site and you click on the amateur podcast and go down to screen the screener and vote. They are uh, they're giving out so many awards, one of which is a People's Choice Award. So we would be honored if you could take the time. Monkeys fighting robots, go out there, vote for us. Amateur uh, podcast, and we're thrilled to, to be nominated and be a part of that. So check that out, please. Um, another thing that's very exciting, Gus, for me, we have so many great episodes coming up here this month. Did you know that today at 10 o'clock, they restarted and they brought back one of the greatest game shows of all time. Match, yeah. match game is back. So I, Gus, the fans love when you do $100,000 pyramid. 
and myself being an only child with no friends and a loser growing up, uh, I Stop. loved I loved all game shows. So Match Game, we will have a screen the screener version of Match Game coming up uh, in the next couple episodes, folks. So I know you won't want to miss that. Stump Gus always one of the most popular segments, but but we're gonna Match Game as well. And also tonight, Gus, as you said, we're crafting this on January fourth. Mind we talk about the two basketball games, Balancesto, if you will, that went on tonight uh, because I think number one went down. And if I'm not mistaken, number two just pulled it out. So, Mike Randall, next week we could be looking at a Baylor Bear number one national ranking. Oh, we're going to have to have a dance party. We're going to have to have something if the Baylor Bears are number one next week have had Gus a longer climb to the top than Mount Everest, let me tell you, okay? Because we know Kansas is going to have five losses, and they'll be ranked. And we'll get to the Kansas game in a minute. I think I just took 12 steps, which is less, less than what Mihailik took on that last shot against Kansas State. But, Pack your suitcase, please. Pack the suitcase. But listen, to address those two games that I that I did talk about really quickly, um, and we'll, we'll get into to the segment, but I, I did go one and one. Felt real strongly about the Duke-Virginia Tech game, which we'll get into in a minute. And boy, I think Creighton gave Villanova a run for their money. But there's a couple mistakes they made there, Gus, and we're going to talk about yeah. it coming up in this segment, right? Uh, absolutely. And and I think one more shout-out, uh, you know, since we're, like, you know, talking about uh, you know, m- uh, monkeys fighting robots. And, and, and why, why wouldn't you have fun typing that into your computer? That just sounds fun, like hitting all the keystrokes for that. Mike Randall, do you need some congratulations did you win? I did. A, 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 a I, I fantasy did. football extravaganza this I past week? I, I appreciate that, Gus. Yes, I am the Scott Fishbowl Satellite number 33 fantasy football championship. I am. <laughs> I am. I. This is uh, – Scott Fish uh, has put together for many years a mm-hmm. fantasy football league free, no money, just for the passion sure. of the sport as we do here at Screen the Screener. Uh, for fantasy football writers. And uh, this year I became a fantasy football writer and I was able to get into one of the satellites. And I did w- with an illustrious team, Gus. Um, and it's it's a it's a best ball uh, league. So what you, is, you don't set your lineup. You draft 22 guys, your okay. best wide receivers, your best running backs, your best tight ends score. Okay? So you don't have to do your lineups. Um, it, it's it's really easy to maintain, but the draft is the key. So my uh, really my I went with a zero RB strategy. That's that's what I support. At, you can follow me on Twitter at Fantasy Warrior Mike, FTSY Warrior Mike. Very uh, nice for fantasy football. Uh, but I did go zero RB, which means I I went wide receivers early. So I took Odell Beckham, I took T.Y. Hilton, I took Brandon Cooks. So I loaded up on wide receivers early, and then I picked off some running backs late because I saw running back value. A Melvin Gordon, okay, did so well for me. Uh, mm. uh, Carlos Hyde, uh, that type of player. Um, uh, my, my old, everyone hates him. I did, I wrote an article on him, uh, death taxes and Frank Gore. Okay. <laughs> Gus, Frank Gore finishes a 13 fantasy running back. Nobody likes him. He's 107 years old. Okay. But he stayed healthy. Um, and my tight end was Greg Olson. Love the consistency. Jersey shout Absolutely. out here, Wayne Hills. Uh, and I had Gus, the wonderful quarterback tandem of Tyrod Taylor and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And yes, wow. that team won the Scott Fishbowl Championship. Yes, really excited. Very happy. I, I think they might have trouble fitting in the title of the award onto the plaque of whatever trophy you're receiving. It sounds like a very illustrious and and very and, long and long title. <laughs> very long. But you know, we're gonna promote it, right? Because it's about celebrations. But yes. Scott Fishbowl, Satellite 33. Thank you, Gus, for the fantasy football shout out. But that door has closed and college basketball has opened. 
we have got a lot of ground to cover for this podcast, listeners. So let's uh, let's dive into a screen the screener uh, into the archives a little bit and dig out uh, an old favorite for this next segment. I know uh, you know Mike teased you a little bit with the game show segment. We'll we'll get to that later, Mike. I know this is a little bit uh, on the fly here. What if we do? What if we could create like a a all game show podcast and just like have all like you know fabricate like three game shows uh, uh, along with match game and 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 stump guys and maybe pick out one more and then and that'll be the whole podcast just those three there's just those three old school games i'm sorry i just passed out i, I have to say <laughs> i'm a little dizzy right now with excitement uh, yes I, I think that i think the listeners would love that and I, I couldn't wait and we know you would do very well and i would be very <laughs> rational and not do well but that makes for uh, great podcasting right um, I, we we might need to put that in the think tank and craft that up for you guys. Uh, we'll, Mike and I will get busy on that over the next couple of weeks for you guys to listen to it on the next couple of podcasts. So we're gonna go well, we're gonna go into the archives and we're gonna bring out um, we're gonna bring out our three likes. Our three likes are just gonna be I'm gonna throw out a couple of things to Mike Randall. He's gonna tell me if he likes things or not. The way he's gonna respond is he's gonna say likewise if he's just in lockstep with me. He's gonna say like whoa like what are you talking about? And or maybe he's surprised with it, and he's going to give us a like what if we're totally off base, um, or if he's just on board with what happened uh, in the result. Uh, Mike Randall, are you ready for some three likes? As ready as I'll ever be, my friend. Okay, the first one's going to be a gimme. This is one that you mentioned in the preview, uh, in in, uh, in the introduction. Virginia Tech defeats number five Duke, eighty nine to seventy five. And Buzz got his signature win for Virginia Tech's March resume. Um, I seem to recall you <laughs> uh, make, having an opinion on this game. Listen, my rationale, and of course this is likewise, very excited for the win by Virginia Tech. Grayson Allen is a pretty much a first-team All-American player. And for him not to be there, oh, by the way, because he's back already, but that's for later in the podcast, um, you know, it's going to hurt them. And they're, they're freshmen there. The freshmen that, that played in that game, that you know, Tatum, they were, they were a little rusty. Frank Jackson on the road, please. Um, they were not ready for that type of game. They weren't. They can think they were, but Buzz Williams has been targeting this game. They were very excited about what happened, and I, I just thought they were going to come out ready. They were going to be fired up um, for a win like that, and I'll tell you right now, they certainly were, and and it was a great, great win for the Hokies. Um, pretty much dominated from start to finish. Had a lead at, at halftime. They, you know, they they had, they started Jefferson, Tatum, Jackson, Matt Jones, and Kennard. That's a law firm, Gus. That's not a starting five for Duke. Okay. Um, <laughs> Very good. Everybody was excited that Harry Giles scored his first point as a college player. Is that what's going to win on the road in Virginia Tech? Coach K is having back trouble. Of course, going to be out with the surgery, so maybe he wasn't really focused. But Virginia Tech was. They came out from start to finish and took it right to him the whole time. Allen had 14 from them off the bench. Bibbs was hot with four three-pointers, 18. Hill had 17. Um, six guys in doubles for Virginia Tech. Big win by the Hoagies. Blue Devils in trouble and a little bit of disarray, Gus, when everyone thought that they were pretty much head and shoulders above people, as well as Kentucky, at the beginning of the year. Yeah, they had some good defensive numbers coming in, and uh, the fact that Virginia Tech hung almost 90 on them um, really speaks to how out of whack things might be and how out of sorts they are. Um, there's a lot of moving parts there right now, and I think it's going to take some time for them, much like we compared to Michigan State 
early on in the season where they seem to be in a little disarray and a little discombobulated. Um, I think Duke is in that same boat right now, and I think this loss to Virginia Tech just speaks to that. Um, we had number six Louisville over number 16 Indiana at Bloomington, Indiana, 77-62. I guess the Cardinal personality won out on the road here. And remember, the Hoosiers did already beat Kansas and UNC thus far this year. What do you think here? I'm going to go like, whoa, Louisville winning doesn't shock me. Louisville winning 77-62 does shock me. Uh, I'm concerned about Indiana. And and I know that Indiana, I was, I was on Twitter with some people, they can beat anyone, they can lose to anyone. This is not good, what I'm seeing right now. Thomas Bryan is not playing as effectively as he should be. Uh, this was a, a big-time concern for me. We didn't know what we are going to get in this game, but um, you said I said if, if I had a pick it, I'd take Louisville. But mm. listen, um, Blackman had 10 points, okay? The team shot, Indiana shot 32.2% at home in a game they pretty much wanted to have after losing to Nebraska at home. Yeah. Uh, they're in a little bit of disarray. Listen, they're going to be a dangerous team, and Anobi played well. I am concerned because here's the deal, Gus. Indiana wants to get up and down the floor and score, almost like a UNC light, a poor man's UNC, right, who they beat, okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I will tell you that they don't play a lick of defense, and the problem is they then have to score at a Kentucky UNC pace. And I am concerned about Indiana right now, uh, especially, you know, Michigan State's getting healthy. I just put Twitter out that some dunk by by Miles Bridges. He's back. OK, he is totally back. Oh, but, man. but my take on this, my friend, I'm concerned about Indiana. Louisville always gets better as the year goes on. Really nice road win for Patino. I'm concerned for Crean. I'm sure like in Hoosiers, he's going out to the barbershop there in Indiana. They're getting a little upset. Uh, this was a concern for me. I, I just thought that. This is going to be a great win for Louisville down the road. And, yeah, you know what this reminds me a little bit of? Do you remember when um, Do you remember when uh, Kentucky was highly ranked coming in a couple of years ago and then they took on a couple of losses and, you know, nearly fell out of the top 25 yeah, and then sure. came back and made a Final Four run? Like, I, I feel like that might be, like, the type of team that Indiana has. But, yeah, I think there's concerns. And there's going to be a moment of this podcast where we're going to go back and reference who Indiana really misses this year. Um, one of the games that you went even Steven on, number one, Villanova, did get the victory over oh. 10 Creighton. At Creighton, 80-70. to 70. You were just a little off here, Mike Randall. Just a, just a smidge. Just, just this much. Nova looked way too comfortable on the road in a tight spot, kind of like they've done that before and been there before. So I'm going to say this is like kind of a little likewise for me. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be a like, whoa. Listen, I feel like I sometimes you learn something in a loss. You always want to learn something in a loss, and mm-hmm. I did. Creighton was rolling. They were up 19-9. I had an afternoon beverage on New Year's Eve. I'm thinking I'm going two for two. Maurice Watson Jr. cannot get two fouls in the first half. He can't, Gus. He's, and I didn't even consider that as an option. Shame on me. Shame on me. Mm. So when we get back to our March preview, I mean, God, are we going to do 10 podcasts in a week during March? I mean, that, that's like the apocalypse. <laughs> Try. Here's the thing. If Creighton is Creighton, their backups are Gus Kearns and Mike Randall because they're Creighton, okay? Villanova's backups, Kentucky's backups are all Americans. 
Maurice Watson Jr. left the game when it was 19-9. Gus, when he came back on the floor, it was 33-29 Villanova. And at yeah. that point, I said this is a problem because if Creighton's going to win this game, they're not going to have multiple runs. They're not going to have three runs. This is Villanova. This is the defending national champions. That was a killer. Watson got the first foul on an excessive box out. Okay, I got no problem with that. The second one, Gus, was a rebound. I think it was by Reynolds. Everyone had left the screen, and Watson decided to slap at the ball. No discipline. He goes to the bench. Game changer. Um, Villanova, you can talk about them. They played great the whole game. Brunson played fantastic. Hart's a champion. He's a player of the year right now, in my opinion. Jenkins, of course, you leave him open. Forget it. They are tough. They are gritty. They play hard. They didn't even have Booth, but they were ripe for the taking. As proven by their loss tonight, Creighton ended up tying it with three minutes left, which I was excited about. But Gus, without Maurice Watson Jr., this team's losing anyone. They are losing to anyone because when they get the rebound, they look for him. He's got to touch the ball. It is like trying to drive a car without a steering wheel. That's what it's like when Watson's out on the floor, and he cannot in any way get in foul trouble. And he normally doesn't. He normally doesn't get in foul trouble, but he did. Villanova came back. He came back on the floor. Gritty performance. Great win by Villanova. But they were ripe for that loss. So these are the two things that I noticed from this. Number one, totally right on with Watson. This is a total learning experience for him. If they want to be a Final Four, Elite Eight, you know, top one, top two seed in the NCAA tournament, he has got to be the best player on the floor, the most disciplined player on the floor. He wasn't that in this game. Number two, it totally mirrored to me uh, when Joel Berry was missing for UNC. I know he was out for a number of games, and Watson was just out for a period of time in one singular game, but I think their impact uh, mirrors each other and how much they affect the how much value they bring to their team um, and how much we might underrate it as viewers and as basketball vagabonds. Um, I think they're both unbelievably valuable to their teams, and if they're on the floor, then they're not national championship contenders at all. Well said. Across the board, well said. But remind me, Gus, when I do those irrational predictions in March Madness and have four double-digit seeds in the Final Four, the key is this. If they're going to beat them, the star on the mid-major, the small team, must stay on the floor. He must because his backup is is not nearly as good as the backup on the other team. Watson stays on the floor, Gus. I know. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, but didn't. I get it. I still think they win. But great job by Villanova. Villanova. Gutty, gritty, great team. Uh, yeah, and again, it's like they had been in that environment before. It wasn't any. It wasn't anything they were scared of. Uh, number twenty, Florida State <laughs> defeated number twelve UVA sixty to fifty-eight. This, for me personally, was just a like whoa. And the reason it was a like whoa is because Dwayne Bacon of Florida State hit for twenty-six points in one half by himself against the Cavs team that is unbelievably disciplined defensively. Teams can't even put up 26 points and a half when playing Tony Bennett's teams as a whole. And Bacon went ahead and put up 26 by himself. Here's what I'm going to say about this. I think that performance is as impressive as Malik Monk's 47-point performance against UNC. There, it's out there. I'm saying Bacon for all ACC. Let's go. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a like, whoa, for me, too. Great, great call there. 
Bacon averaging 18 points a game, sophomore. That is a big win. Florida State, will, a real, will the real Virginia really stand up? Florida State with a great, and I mean great, road win. Bacon scores 29 against Virginia. That's like 69 against everybody else. A tremendous win. And it, it again, what's great, Gus, about this year for NCAA basketball is every team has warts. Like, we're seeing yeah. it. Virginia with the huge win against Louisville. I'm mm-hmm. apologizing. I got it wrong. And now not only did they lose that game, but we just got a tweet here from our loyal follower. God, I can't say it. I'm sorry. At Young Loud and Colin. Y-U-N-G-L-O-U-D-A-N-C-O-L-I-N. Shoot the ball, London, in capital letters. Reason <laughs> being, Very good. they lost in overtime tonight, Virginia, to Pittsburgh, 88-76, which means that Mr. Bacon saved my bacon, basically <sighs> put them in a two-game losing streak because they are now two in a row, Florida State, top six, team, six teams, Gus, I think in the ACC, lost over the weekend, something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, it's been crazy. Uh, NC State pounded Virginia Tech tonight, 104-78. Um, so there's a lot of up and down, a lot of heart rate monitor. Great win for Florida State. Virginia's Virginia, folks, okay? You know I'm not big on them. I'm concerned. Great win over Louisville. Bad loss to Florida State. Awful loss at Pittsburgh. But good job by Kevin Stallings. Uh, then we're going to end the, uh, you know, likewise, like, whoa, uh, with our WCC combo pack. You're going to get two for one here. We're going to give you number seven over uh, number seven Gonzaga over Pacific 81 61. Um, they're just so good. Can you please check this line from our guy Shemek Karnowski? 19 points, five boards, but seven dimes while going eight for ten from the field. Uh, uh, ESPN's uh, John Gassaway uh, said that Ethan Happ is creating like a new position. Uh, point center. Yeah, I'm gonna say our guy Karnowski is right there with Hap as far as point centers go. He is so skilled. I'm so excited that he's healthy and finding so much success. And then part of our two pack here includes one of your other Final Four picks. We had number 19 St. Mary's over San Diego, 72-60. It's just another win for your Gales, Mike Randall. You know, Gus. Let's get right to it right now. January 14th. 10 o'clock p.m., ESPN2, number 5, Gonzaga, number 19, St. Mary's. Let's go. I can't wait. Let's get it on. I mean, these are two teams that can make the Final Four. Kentucky, Duke, I don't want to – fine. There are great big teams, and there are great mid-major teams that are really not mid-majors, right? Can't wait. Nice win for Gonzaga. They're beating – the three teams we learned from our high school coach, Gus, beat the teams you're supposed to beat, defend your home court, Beat somebody you're not supposed to beat. There are so many teams that are falling into that sort of category right now, and Gonzaga yeah. is at the top of the list. Could this be Fuse year? Could this be the year? I don't know, but the Gales are coming in, and we're ready to go at you, Gus. So that game, that game is going to be great, especially just oh. for the, the the you know the the one on oneness with 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 your St. Mary's Ooh. pick and my Gonzaga pick. Um, I, 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 go Zags, let's go. Let's go. Uh, Can't wait. Hey, uh, after that, uh, you know, WCC two pack. Uh, how about we hit uh, some news and notes for the listeners out there? News and notes from the hardwood. And boy, do we have news and notes for people tonight, Gus. I mean, so many things. I mean, God, we have, a, we have a, a, a wheel here, a wheel of fortune of stuff we can talk about. So why don't we just alternate here? 
Um, uh, sure. First off, why don't you talk about Coach K and Duke? And I got a couple comments as well. But why don't you start about Coach K and Coach Capel? So this is an interesting dynamic, right? Obviously, we always hold uh, hope very dearly here at the Screen the Screener podcast. And we the only thing we hope is that Coach K has a successful surgery, uh, finds his way back on the healthy side of things, and maybe even finds himself back on the sidelines this season. Um, back surgery is always tricky. Um, I'm going to go you know, back to one of our childhood idols, um, uh, Don Mattingly from the Yankees here. When he went in for his back surgery, um, he was never the same player afterwards, and we were always rooting for that old Mattingly to come back and be dominant. Um, but we just had to cheer for the current Mattingly that was a lesser form of his older self. Good comparison. Um, Good so comparison. Yeah, so you feel like you want Coach, you want Coach K just to – um, and it's different for an athlete and a coach, obviously. So, that, you know, there's not those like uh, physical expectations. But I think more than anything, we're just hoping that everything goes smooth. He finds his way back on the sidelines and he's still able to effuse uh, uh, his positive influence on his team, uh, his fellow coaches and his university. Um, so well wishes and, you know, Godspeed and good health and good vibes your way, Coach K. Um, but also this gives... Coach Capel had a really cool opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity. He gets to coach the preseason number one ranked team for an extended period of time. Like, what other coach in the nation could possibly receive that opportunity? So I find this like an amazing opportunity for Coach Capel. And it's a really, really unique opportunity for uh, Coach Nolan Smith and, and Kyle Singler and, and, and the rest of the guys that are down, uh, down the bench um, where all of their seats get to bump up one. So their responsibilities are going to uh, expand exponentially. And I bet you know they're planning on like, oh, I'll cover this. Um, you know, Coach Nolan Smith, you cover this. Uh, Coach Lingler, you cover it. But I bet once it, you know, once they get those assignments, they're going to find out real fast that this is a hard thing to do. So I'm interested to see how Duke operates in that environment where you have three other coaches and the rest of the coaching staff too, and the student managers, and and everybody's going to be trying to scramble to cover ground that Coach K left wide open for his, uh, pre- uh, you know, his lack of presence on the sideline. Um, so I'm just intrigued to see what happens. And I, you know what, I'm, I'm hoping nothing but success for those guys. Yeah. I want them to find success and to, you know, I, I, I want them to not fall flat on their face and I want them to have a moment where they can enjoy and, and, and celebrate and, and frame up and, and maybe move on to something bigger later on. Yeah. Listen, coach K Godspeed, get back. One of the greatest coaches of all time. Uh, once you get healthy, uh, I understand backs myself, Gus, mm. uh, not easy, not fun. Best of luck. Hope he gets back. And he had some surgeries in the off season as well. So he's got to get it taken care of. You know, it's got to be serious if he's missing four weeks, the guy's probably double over in pain. As for Capel, here's the deal. This is not your mama's average assistant coach. No. Okay. The guy was a head coach from 2002 to 2006 at VCU. Oh, by the way, they won the regular season championship and tournament championship for the CAA. I'd say that's successful. Uh, Then he went to Oklahoma for five years, 2006-2011 at Oklahoma, Coach Blake Griffin. Mm -hmm. Um, So the guy's guy's been around. Um, He has coached before. He stepped in for one game last February when Coach K was sick and and had uh, Coach Duke to an 80-71 victory last year versus Georgia Tech. So he has been their head coach there before. Um, So capable being the interim coach, he should be able to do a real nice job. He actually played Gus, irony, for Duke. When Coach K actually had his back injury That's and was right. some other injuries out, he was playing for that team. Yeah. So in terms of 
the best situation to lose maybe the greatest coach of all time. This they're about as fortified there in the foundation as, as possible. So I think they're going to be okay. They're a little bit disarray to challenge, but it's also a showcase for him if he wants to get a job in the future. So as a head guy, so uh, best of luck. But um, the other thing we got to talk about, Gus, and and I don't know your thoughts, and I'll let you go first. Coach K put Grayson Allen back on the court tonight. Duke won big. It was his last game coaching before his absence after a one-game suspension for tripping. Suspended indefinitely equals one game, Gus Kern says. I'm not in love with it at all. Not in love with it at all. I understand the um, I understand the number of moving elements here and, and the dynamics involved with this decision. I get it. Um, coach K wants to have his fingerprints on this and not leave it to his assistant coaches. Um, so if anybody's going to take the blame or take the hardship for this, obviously he wants to be up front with that, which I really respect. But at the same time, I think the general public, other players, other coaches, uh, were just thinking that the indefinite suspension was going to be longer. Like that would equal, uh, uh, you know, a longer sentence. Um, so I get that he wants to take ownership on that decision and then take all the barbs that come with it too. But at the same time, I think people wanted more uh, and, and wanted Grayson to step away a little bit longer than he did. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes sense, man. Bad job by Coach K. And I do agree with you. Well said. I think if he was not going in for back surgery, I don't know this, I think he's out for longer. I think it's like I'm not going to let this hang on my assistant coach. He's not going to be out for five weeks, right. you know, four plus, which I'm fine with. But, you know, Kay, you could have sat him for two more. You could have sat him for three. I said from the beginning three to five. As soon as it happened in my head – one is nothing. One is a slap on the wrist. And if you're going in for surgery, sit him two at least. Coach, have him sit one more time and say, you know, Capel pulls him back. But that's a bad job. It's a one-game suspension. Bad job. I disagree with it. Somebody on Twitter wrote there's no difference between Coach K and Calipari right now, you know, in terms of some of the things that have gone on. But, I, I, I listen, I just – I love Coach K. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. Excellent job with Duke. We're huge fans of his. We love him. Sorry, I disagree. I think he did a bad job here. I think he's got to sit for more than one game. I'm just going to agree and say I'm not in love with it either. I, I understand why he made the decision that he did, um, but by no means do I have to agree with it. I'm just going to agree to disagree with Coach K here on the length of the suspension. That's all. How about the next part that we head to? We're going to give you like a, a chalk uh, 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 full of, of teams that are surprisingly efficient. On the offensive end, these are not traditional teams that you're thinking like, oh man, you know what those teams do? They they put up points. Those team, you know what those teams do? They score easily. You know what those teams do? They 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 light up the scoreboard. We we noticed these three teams put up a ton of points uh, this past weekend, and we were like, wait, what? In other words, Gus, what we're saying is. That's right. That was a slot machine sound uh, that I loved. These teams are putting up points at a feverish pitch. I always got to get some sort of uh, gambling theme in there, Gus, because it just keeps it fun, right? Doesn't it a little bit? But there you go. So, Gus, tell the people about the efficiency on offense and the greatness on defense. So, you know, we, we always think about like 90 points is a ton of points in a college basketball game. The first team that put up 90 points, kind of like I was like, wow, what happened there was Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati is is a, is a top ten Ken Palm defensively ranked team. Um, McCronin always preaches like make everything contested, but they put up ninety two on Tulane. And most impressive about the ninety two points that the Bearcats put up that they were led in scoring by Kevin Johnson and Jaron Cumberland with fifteen points and nineteen points respectively, not by any of their stars like Washington or Copain or Evans. Um, or Clark, uh, it, it was it was a role players and bench guys that led them in scoring in that ninety two points. Um, so I, I'm a little like I understand your secret crush on Mick Cronin now. I, I think I get part of it. I understand why you are uh, why you have the feelings you do about the Cincinnati Bearcats, Mike Randall. I'm, I'm making I'm making the Justin Bieber heart as they do in Saturday Night Live coming out for Mick Cronin on Valentine's Day. Uh, Gus, we got a Cincinnati team that has won 10 of their last 11. The only loss was at Butler by 10. A Villanova show tonight, how difficult that is. Um, they're scoring points. They're playing together. Uh, they are a solid, solid team. They are a, not just a defensive team that scores five or six. You better bring your defense against them, or they're going to drop points like they did on Tulane. Really good challenge for them coming up, Gus, on the 7th at 9 o'clock ESPNU. They're at Houston. Yeah. I think that's a real telling game for them. It's a road game. It's a conference game. And then followed up by SMU at home. So you give me two wins there, and I'm going to have Mick Cronin's face uh, on my uh, my Valentine. Uh, and, Mick, if you'd like to come on the show, uh, you can reach us on Twitter at SDS Podcast. Uh, we'd love to have Mick Cronin on the show. I think you may have to do that interview because I wouldn't be able to talk. Um, but love the Bearcats. Rooting for them. Great job. Big one over Tulane. A lot of points. You ain't scoring. If they're scoring, game's over. Hey, you know you know what we'd like to do? We'd like to welcome back the Arizona Wildcats. All right. Welcome back, Sean Miller and crew. Arizona dropped 91 on Stanford. And again, these Wildcats were not led by the people that you think you're, you're going to be led by, much like Cincinnati. you got Raleigh uh, Hawkins, 19 points. Um, Dustin Ristick with 18 points. Man, you know what I noticed? The Pac-12 is loaded with skilled bigs. Loaded. UCLA bigs, the Oregon bigs, Arizona. Every team has a great big man out there. They And, and if we throw in Karnowski and your guy, uh, Jock Landell from St. Mary's, man, all the big men live out west. Really impressed with the skilled bigs out west. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Arizona. Listen. Sean Miller is doing one of the best coaching jobs in the country that no one is talking about. Is Trier coming back? Is he not coming back? Look at what he's doing. Uh, Raleigh Hawkins is one of my favorite players in the country that no one is talking about. The guy is a huge big-time athlete, 6'5", 220 freshman from Brooklyn. Um, Lori Markkinen is tapping in to the foreign player success that we've seen in so many levels. I mean, just look to the NBA, Gus, right now with Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think I got it right there. I think you're close. There's been some, there's been some huge success across the board. Marketing's tremendous. Kobe Simmons rounding into form, a little up and down so far this year. Ristic, as Seth Greenberger talked about, getting a little better. Allen's the veteran. Really, Cartwright came back. Jackson Cartwright came back. What a great job he is doing. And if they get Trier back, they are 13-2. and two. Watch out. And this goes back to one of the themes that we talked about in an early podcast is, is what are you going to do when you're faced with adversity? Are you going to embrace that in adversity and get comfortable with being uncomfortable and just really grind it out, grit your teeth? Or are you going to panic and, and, and turn around and, and run away with your tail between your legs? 
I think Arizona chose chose the former here. I mean, that's pretty obvious. They they've really pulled it together, and Cartwright getting uh, getting back was was a big big get for them. Uh, he solidified a whole bunch of loose ends, so I was, I'm happy he's back on the court for them. The last team that put up 90 that we were really surprised by, Minnesota winning over Purdue, 91-82 in OT. It was a huge win for the Gophers on the road in the Big Ten. Nate Mason was the difference with a really sick line of 31 points, 11 dimes, 6 boards with only one turnover against the defensively strong Boilermakers. Um, they overcame a monster game from our guy, Biggie Caleb Swanigan. Yep. Swanigan put up 28 points and 22 boards. Wow. Oh, wow. The guy's a monster. <laughs> Holy cow. So these three results were surprising, you know, for different reasons. But we all, we just wanted to give a little love for the amount of points that are being put up. So all three reasons, all three results were surprising for different reasons. We love the amount of points being put up by the traditional defensive-minded teams like Arizona and Cincy and the road underdog, Minnesota, even though they needed 18 points to put up, uh, 18 points in overtime to get to 90. Still impressed with all three teams. And speaking of overtime, did you catch number 14, UNC, needing overtime to take down Clemson? 89, uh, 98-68? That was a yeah. live game. It was a live game. Um, Jerron Blossom game, I thought played really well. I, I you know, we we have been talking about it. I definitely made some mistakes down the stretch, mm-hmm. uh, little gimmies they could have made. Guy's just a big time talent. Love the way he plays. He plays so hard. Um, UNC with a great road win. You know, this is what great teams do. This is how I don't know, Gus, how we're going to separate the Kansas from the UNC or the 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 Duke from the Kentucky. You know, these are the games that we're going to look back on. That's that's a big win. That would have been a big win for, Kem- for Clemson. A lot of pressure on 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 Brommel down there mm-hmm. to get things going in the right direction. They got to make the tournament this year, and they had that game, really really close game, but blew it late. That w- that game would have been really similar to Minnesota winning at Purdue if they were able to pull it off. But I think it just speaks to like Joel Berry's value. We, we mentioned this earlier uh, when he was away. UNC just totally wasn't right. He, he is at the All-American dinner table for sure. Um, he had uh, 31 points. He had three huge threes late in the second half. And like you said, like Blossom game paid, played like uh, you know an all-ACC all guy. Uh, he put up 20, uh, 24 and 7. But like you said, really scoffed at some of these late opportunities to put the game away in regulation and in overtime for these upside, uh, upset-minded Tigers. Um, and the other thing that we need to pay attention to in, uh, in this game as well was the coaching dust-up after the game. Here's what I hope about that. I'm hoping that Iowa coach Fran McCaffrey was watching this. And if you're salty about anything, the game result, a player's action, a ref's call, you still go shake hands and you figure it out and talk it out. And that's exactly what the two coaches did. So even though they were heated and in each other's faces, I really admired that. I do. Brommel was was ticked off about Meeks going and making comments to their bench. Mm-hmm. Um, said it to Roy. Roy apologized. It's fine. You're not going to do that in someone else's house. You know, somebody made a really great comparison to me today. They said, you know what I don't get? Is Texas, Texas Tech can beat West Virginia, right? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they can have a mosh pit and – that's okay, but if Meeks makes a comment because he's on the road or does a gesture, then all of a sudden, like, that's disrespectful, and then we're going to yell at each other. Basically saying, like, 
you know, the team's waiting there to shake hands, West Virginia, and there's a pile on. No one's there to shake the hands. You know, that's, that's bad. But to me, you're home. That's exuberance. But, yeah, how about Fran McCaffrey take a page out of that one? Okay, there's a way to handle your business. Please. Can you shake Jeff Horner's hand? Oh, by the way, he was a Mr. Iowa basketball. Okay, please. Right. Totally agree with you. Uh, so even though, you know, things didn't go exactly according to plan with the end game there for both coaches and both teams, uh, I really admired that they met at midcourt, uh, shook hands, and then talked it out like, you know, real men should do. Uh, how about we hit up the Big Ten next and kind of speak to Indiana's slide a little bit more? I mean, we discussed their their loss to uh, Louisville a bit earlier, um, but they played number 13, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin took down Indiana, again, in Indiana, 75-68. Both teams shot it really well, over 50%. Uh, there were two little elements that I think separated the teams in this. Whiskey shot it really well from three, about 50%, um, whereas Indiana was only average in the mid-30s, and the turnover battle. The Badgers were very Badger-like, only seven turnovers, whereas Indiana had 13. And uh, your guy, Ethan Happ, the true point center, took the Hoosier front line to school. 19 points, six boards, four dimes, zero turnovers. Um, you know what? This is the part of the podcast we're going to just send out some I miss you's to some people. You know what? I think Indiana's sending out an I miss you to Yogi Ferrell. What do you think? Oh, no doubt. You know, a lot of times we get fooled. We see the best player leave the team, right? Graduate, move on, gets injured, and the team gets better. This is not going well. Indiana is trending poorly, Gus. Let's look at their games. Mm-hmm. Lost to Butler 83-78 in the Indiana cross Crossroads battle, I think. Uh, Delaware State won. Okay, fine. Austin P won fine. Lost at home, Nebraska. Lost at home, Louisville. Lost at home, Wisconsin. Really? You lost three games in, conf- uh, in conference. Seriously? Or I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, two games in conference mm-hmm. there. Louisville was independent. You lost three games in a row at home. When's the last time that happened? Crean is in some trouble there. He's got Illinois in a get-right game. Then he's going at Maryland, home Rutgers. And then the back half of their schedule is very, very difficult. They play Michigan State at home. They go to Michigan. We talked about that last time. They're at Northwestern. they got to go at Wisconsin, then Purdue, then home Michigan, then at Minnesota with a live Richard Pitino team, at Iowa. You know, McCaffrey's not shaking hands. Northwestern. That's a tough schedule. Indiana trending the wrong way. And uh, th- that just got me thinking, right? Like, who, what other teams are kind of trending the wrong way or missing who was there last year? How about Isaiah Taylor from Texas? How much does shock I miss that guy now, huh? I mean, he, le- yeah. he, he left a little early, and, and Texas is a little bit of a hot mess right now. Um, and then how about Malachi Richardson and uh, Benajay from Syracuse? How much do those guys? How much does does the orange miss those two guys? Or how good were all four of those players last year? And maybe we just underrated them. No, really, great point. Great point across the board. I am shocked with Texas. We talked in the preseason podcast. I thought they were going to challenge yeah. Kansas. Absolutely not. Uh, Syracuse right now. I know a lot of kids that are up there and some people as well. They are livid at what's going on right now. They think it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They're blaming Bayheim. They think Hopkins stinks. A lot of bad feelings up there in Syracuse right now. He's got to get that right because they have way too much talent. Last year, they didn't expect anything. This year, they did. They missed those players that are key players. Totally agree. 
Syracuse in some trouble with some bad losses. St. John's, Creighton went into St. John's and won today, so the Cinderella's over with that. But they got blown out at home by 33 points. And certainly Isaiah Taylor, great job by him. And Shaka struggling. But yeah, great, great point. Yeah, you so never I, know who you're going to miss till they're gone. Yep. Yeah, you never know who they miss. You never know who you miss until they're gone. And like the, the little slide by Indiana just got me thinking about uh, uh, Yogi Ferrell and, and, and how valuable he was to them and their success last year. Um, you know what? Number six, Kentucky almost doubled up on a really decent Texas A&M team, 100-58. to 58. Monk had like another Monk-type game. He had 26 points in 24 minutes on 8 of 11 shooting, uh, 5 of 7 from 3. And just speaking of who we miss, like, boy, doesn't Texas A&M really miss Alex Caruso um, and Anthony Collins? Those two guys took such good care of the ball for the Aggies last year and got all of their players into the right positions to score and help manufacture one of the greatest comebacks in March history. How much do they miss those two guys? Totally do. Uh, this is a good Texas A&M team, not bad. Competitive Kentucky just blew their doors off. Rounding in the form, you made a, a tweet about Malik Monk, the basket being so big. Totally right on. <laughs> it just seems like, you know, anytime you flip on, like, the Kentucky game or, or they show you a Kentucky highlight, his feet are always set. You know, he, he has a very beautiful release High top of the head, like maybe he has like I don't know, like fifteen twenty vision or something, or or maybe like the rim is just looking enormous to him. I I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I don't understand how he's shooting so well. I, I it's it's an anomaly. I, I hope he keeps doing it the rest of the year so we can enjoy it. I just don't I don't get it. He's so good. I, I'm just blown away by the accuracy at which he's playing. I, I, I'm not incredible. Sure. Such a high level. Um, hey, and let's not forget, uh, you know, let's not forget our Big 12 nail biters that we uh, got to view. Um, Kansas State goes into Kansas, number three Kansas, into Allen Fieldhouse, and the Jayhawks walk off with a 90-88 win at the buzzer. No pun intended. <laughs> or, or fully. Um, <laughs> Mike Randall. What in the world happened during that game and maybe even at the end of the game? Oh, I got a lot to say about this game. Okay, so you guys, you know, we'll see you in a couple hours. Number one, that's a walk. Okay? Speema <laughs> Mahalik, I got nothing against you. I think you did a great job. Kansas State took away Graham. They took away Mason. Mahalik can battle the ball. Got the ball back right away. Went up the court. That's fantastic. Folks, I think he took five steps. I know he took four. He may have taken five. And I was watching it live. I had a beverage in my hand. Long day at work. Volume was down. Don't want to wake the family. I'm watching the game. I got nothing on Gus, and I'm watching it, and I go, that's a travel. It was that obvious to me. It's not like I heard them say it, right? I'm watching the game. You trust me, folks. I haven't lied to you since. Okay, full disclosure, even Steven, Seinfeld, the whole thing. That's travel. To travel live, they missed it, okay? I'm okay with it somewhat, Gus, because at least it didn't cost Kansas State the game. They call that. They go to overtime. You're going to win in Fog Allen and overtime stuff. But I give Kansas State a lot of credit. Bruce Weber did a great job. It's a rivalry game. I did expect Kansas to play better, but I do think that it shows you that they are going to have trouble inside. They are very light inside now. We talk about Azubuki. He's going to be out for the year. Yep. Landon Lucas did a real nice job. I think he had 18 points, 15 rebounds. He, he, yeah, he, he put up a lot of numbers and was really active underneath. You can talk about the Kansas State players. They did a real nice job inside. So Kansas, Gus, is going to have trouble with a team that happens to have some decent guards and some big players inside. I wonder if they'll have to play a team like that on February 1st. Uh, by the way, that date can't come soon enough for you. I mean, you, you just want to fast forward to that. February 1st. Uh, imagine 
if they somehow hold on to this potential number one ranking that they could have next week for a full month and go to play Kansas as the number one ranked team in the country. Now maybe Svima Hylik will take six steps and guard Jonathan Motley. By the way, the over-under on Motley's points, that game is 38. Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> if they're matched up, that's right. <laughs> you know what? Just speaking of Motley super fast, I love Motley too. Um, on the broadcast tonight, are you aware he has like a 7-3 or 7-4 wingspan? Yeah. Yes, he does. That's outrageous. Yeah. I did not yeah, – that's, that's, that's amazing. That's why Scott Drew loves that one 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 three zone. Well, you also have to recruit to what you have, and recruiting uh, to a one one three zone when you have Motley in that wingspan over seven feet. Yeah, that's me, li- me likey, me likey. Uh, just to get back to Kentucky, not to get to sorry, like you know sorry. go off on our our. Always try We love Jonathan Motley diatribe, which we you gotta hit, you gotta hit the mute microphone on me, Gus. I'm sorry. We're always gonna get back to Baylor at some point. <laughs> that's true. Sorry, my bad, listeners. I'm sorry, listeners. I apologize that I even brought that out there. Um, uh, so you know what I, you know what who's playing like an all American along with Jonathan Motley is Justin Jackson. Yeah. Frank Mason too. Josh Jackson is playing just like an all American. He had uh, he had twenty two points. He had nine boards. So he's stepping up his board game just like he asked you to. Just like you asked him to. Um, so he's listening to you, Mike Randall. He had five dimes. Um, he, he is his play and you know, it seems like every game he's taking up where miles bridges left off. He's giving you like some little nugget highlight that you really want to pay attention to. Um, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to give a big shout to, uh, Wesley Anua from, uh, uh, Kansas state. He played with a force in this game against Kansas that equaled Jackson's force. He was not intimidated. Uh, he took it strong to the hole. He went hard for offensive rebounds. I was really impressed by just his approach to the game. Not even necessarily his numbers. I mean, he put up great numbers in the game too, but just the just the passion that he brought to the game. I, I thought he was kind of the reason why they hung around as long as they did and were as competitive. And Weber did a great job in that defensive end game because he was not going to let Frank Mason or uh, Devontae Graham beat him at all. So he just, he I thought his defensive game plan was was perfect. And if the refs call it right, it was perfect. And then. Part of the doubleheader, Texas Tech 77 over number seven, West Virginia in overtime. Um, can we do? Can we just start the list right now? Can we put Anthony Livingston's shot on the list with Dylan Brooks's shot and Malik's Monk's shot for like shot of the season? Can we just do that right now? Crazy, um, crazy. We should. Yeah, he he wins it in OT with a corner three with under five seconds to play. Like, like, I didn't see that shot coming. Uh, I'm sure West Virginia didn't either. Uh, so let's just put that shot right in that category right now. And you know what shot was up for that, too? It was Nathan's three to send it to overtime in regulation. So this game had was full of big shots by big-time players. Um, and you know what else? Coach Beard, he could just flat-out coach. That was a great hire by Texas Tech. I think they're going to be all set for a couple of years with Coach Beard. He really does a solid job. And I think this game, this game was just the perfect uh, framing of how he operates and how he coaches and what a great hire that was for Texas Tech. Yeah, and, and listen, no shame in this loss here. I've been critical of West Virginia, but they played very, very well. They're going to fight you tooth and nail. It's a great, great win for Texas Tech. But, Gus, to me, the take on this game, and we had talked about this, and folks, you know, with January 2nd, the holiday, that's why we're, we're a little – uh, out of sorts here with the podcast coming in late, but we had talked about this. That line was, uh, I believe, that line was West Virginia by five, mm-hmm. and 
75% of the money came in on West Virginia, which you would think us would make Vegas raise the point spread Mm -hmm. to create more action on Texas Tech. They lowered the point spread to West Virginia minus two. This was as fishy as fishing lines get. Definitely. Uh, We talked about it. So Texas Tech, West Virginia's hot. They had played so well. Um, they they played maybe Virginia. That's a great wins. They are favored by five. Everyone bets West Virginia and Vegas says no, no, keep doing it, keep doing it. That's why Gus they have those big buildings. That line was really fishy from the start. I mean, I, I think you and I were running some numbers back and forth on it. We kind of couldn't wrap our heads around it and decide why that was happening. Um, so we both decided just to stay away from it because obviously they, they knew something that we did not know. Um, but yeah, I think that's another like that's another storyline to this game that the line was right on and they called it right. I mean, in overtime, one point win. I mean, what they they got it right. Uh, Vegas does it right again. Um, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna go for a little. Uh, we're gonna go for a little trip on Broadway, but you know what we're gonna do instead of walking or strolling down Broadway, we're gonna do a light jog for you guys. So we're gonna try to go through our, our Broadway preview uh, with a light jog. So um, you might want to bring along a water bottle or maybe put a headband on for this uh, trip down Broadway. Does that sound okay, Mike Randall? Sure, especially in the winter. Nothing like a nice um, walkie bucks hat, right? Now doing a little jog. Oh, I like that. On Broadway. Okay, now that I've stretched out and limbered up uh, for our uh, jog down Broadway, uh, congratulations. The first spot that we're going to stop on Broadway or the first window we're going to look in. Hey, BYU at number 19 St. Mary's, your Final Four selection, preseason, gets the valued 11 p.m. ESPNU window. I think BYU's still live on this. Um, and I think this game's going to tell the truth on him. You got a quick read on this one for us? Yeah, I, I think it's a good one. Uh, Seth Greenberg talked about how he likes BYU this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's at home against St. Mary's. I think that St. Mary's has been picked off already. So I think they will respond well in this game. If they had not lost at home to Texas Arlington, I think this would be a live game, uh, sort of a look-ahead game for the apocalypse is upon us um, on January 14th. But uh, I think it should be competitive. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, battle inside as well. And then some good guard play. But I do expect St. Mary's to win this game by, you know, five-plus points. Uh, I, I agree with the St. Mary's win. But I do feel like there needs to be a third wheel in that conference. And hopefully BYU can be that third wheel and uh, get in the spokes of uh, either St. Mary's or Gonzaga. Uh, how about Cal at number four UCLA? And like we mentioned on Twitter, uh, please follow the podcast at S the S podcast on Twitter, or you can email us at, at uh, S the S podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we mentioned on Twitter that this Bruin team is like a comet and you really should view them whenever the atmosphere allows. And this is just another opportunity. So I want to get my eyes on them one more time. Yeah, totally do as well. I, I think, you know, we were down on Cal, but they've played better of late. Um, they lost a close game in Honor, Virginia. They lost a close game to Arizona. They beat Arizona State. They're looking at this one as kind of a signature win going into UCLA. This is a battle within the state. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Cal is going to, is going to bring it. They're rounding in the form. They're getting healthier. Still picking UCLA, but it's definitely worth watching here. Uh, the one thing I'd like to pay attention to here is will Cal limit UCLA? Uh, Cal is a sneaky Top 10 Ken Palm defensive team. So are they going to get uh, in the way of UCLA and their offensively offensive efficiency? Because uh, UCLA is the number one offensive 
offensive efficient team uh, ranked by Ken Palm. So I'm intrigued to see those diverse styles uh, getting each other. Uh, you know what? How about NC State going to number 14 UNC? You know what? I feel like this NC State team is going to be live uh, when conference play, uh, play starts rolling like it is right now. Um, and I bet they give Virginia Tech a headache tonight and they'll double up on that headache uh, in Chapel Hill this weekend. Um, I, I, I think this is going to be a live game. I think it's one to pay attention to. They have three great wing players, and they have Smith at the point guard, um, who's pretty dynamic. So I'm looking forward to the Smith-Berry matchup in this one. Yeah, I am as well. Uh, North Carolina State, <clears throat> North Carolina State, 12 and three, third in the ACC right now, doing very well. Um, got over to a good start. Dennis Smith is scalding hot uh, freshman, one of the best freshmen in the country. He's sort of taken the lead here in terms of Markel Fultz being the go-to guy on a team that he's the best player on. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to this, Gus. His last you know four games, Smith has gone on, in, and these are all above 50% shooting games, 23 points, 19 points, 20 points, 27 points. Um, Three-pointers attempted in those games, 5, 6, 8, and 0 in the last one because they blew out Virginia Tech. Um, he's shooting 40% from three-point range. He's 78% from the line. He's averaging 19 points a game, four boards, six assists. Uh, tremendous, tremendous player. This is going to be a live one. This will be a live one. You know, Jimmy V is looking down watching this one as well. Uh, for sure. Uh, speaking of Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech's going to go to Florida State. This ACC matchup is like has me kind of salivating because it's two teams that you didn't think would be ranked inside the top 20, or in this case, 21. Um does this seem like the doesn't this seem like the highest ranking for a Florida State team ever? Number twelve. Um, will Bacon put up twenty five points and a half again? And will Buzz pull another like quote unquote upset? But this time on the road. I'm intrigued by all these things in this in this game. Yeah, Florida State. Good call with that. You know, they're usually when they end the season. They've ended the season around in the ranked top, pretty much ranked 10 times in either the AP or the coaches bowl in, in, in their career. So um, 10 times they've been ranked. Usually they're around 10, sometimes 16, 20. Okay. So this is as high as they have almost been. That is correct. It's a great call there. Um, they've been ranked in the poll 117 times. They were ranked second once years ago, long, long time ago. Okay. But in any any recent history that we've talked about, Gus, yeah. this is this is you know post 2000. Um, this is the highest that they've been in a long time. So um, Leonard Hamilton doing a great job. Buzz Williams gonna have to bounce back from the thrashing by NC State tonight. Curious to see how that game's gonna go. It's a good one. Uh, let's go back to the Big 12. Texas Tech is gonna go to Kansas, and both teams are gonna come be coming off like this crazy emotional win um so you want to see which team kind of can quell their emotions and get their focus back um and who's going to find the right level first and then once they do find their levels like whose level is going to be higher i think kansas's level is going to be higher if they find their level first and i think kansas is going to run away late in the second half and i bet josh josh jackson is going to be a nightmare matchup for Tech. They're not going to have anybody to do what he does or handle what they what he can bring to the table. Um, I think tight early, Kansas late in that particular one. Um, and then I'll, t- I'll tell you this, Gus. Yeah. If Kansas doesn't blow them out, I'm concerned. Really? If Kansas doesn't blow Texas Tech out and they sort of have more issues inside, it's going to be a problem because Carlton Bragg and Landon Lucas ain't turned into Shaquille O'Neal. Larry Bird ain't walking through that door, folks. Okay, so they – 
Kansas better win this game. This should be a bounce back game for them. Love Texas Tech, but in this spot, Kansas got to come through. I just think both, since both teams are just like you know uh, emotionally drained coming off both of those, uh, you know their their signature wins on either side. Um, I'm just intrigued to see how it's going to come out. I can see both of them coming out flat. Perfectly honest. Um, you mentioned this game earlier, and I'm going to put my eyes on it. How about number 22 Cincy, fresh off their 90 points, going down to Houston. Um, if Houston wants in on this conference race, this is the game they need to have. It's in their building. Uh, it's against the ranked opponent and the favorite in the conference. Um, it's an underrated game here. Uh, it's worth the watch. Um, uh, Houston uh, has some good scores on the wing uh, that can match Cincy scores. Uh, I want to see what happens here. I want to pay attention to the AAC. This is the game to pay attention to. Yeah, I t- talked about it earlier. This is a good game to pay attention to. Rooting for Cincinnati. Houston show us something here, but definitely worth worth watching the uh, AAC. Uh, uh, big shout to Chip Reeve. I hope he's watching the game too somewhere. Um, ah, well done. Yeah. Very good. Yes. Um, and then how about uh, last place we'll take a look. Number 13, Wisconsin at number 20, Purdue. I just want to see which big is going to dominate. Is it going to be Biggie Swanigan? Is it going to be Hap? I just hope the refs have a kind whistle to allow both of those guys to stay on the court as long as possible. And a win here on the road for the Badgers will give them a gigantic leg up in this crazy Big Ten regular season title race. Um, But as shown with the early season conference games, you never know what's going to happen. So I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. Don't know what's going to happen. Something is holding me back from supporting Wisconsin and going all in again on a Final Four with them. I I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm also concerned about Purdue. Isaac Haas is very hit or miss. Six points against Notre Dame. 18 points, 14 points, 16 points in the next three games. Six points against Minnesota in that that terrible loss is really what it was. Um, I want to see which team's going to stand up here. Great win for Minnesota or bounce back for Purdue. I mean, a great win for Wisconsin or a bounce back for Purdue? Uh, I'm going to – this is not usually my thing to, to go out and say, I, I, you know what? I think Wisconsin is going to take this game in Purdue, and then Purdue is going to come back uh, later on the season and, and repay the favor. So I'm going to – I'm gonna if we're going to pick at somebody here, I'm going Wisconsin. And, yeah, I'm going to say Wisconsin on the road here. Um, Fair enough. And I think we'll end – we'll just end with a big shout. We're going to end with a big shout to UNCW and the Seahawks for beating Towson 76, uh, 67-76 for their 12th victory. Denzel, don't call me, Valentine Ingram hit five threes. Keep up the fine work, Seahawks student athletes and Seahawks student team managers in the CAA and represent that conference well. And, my grand, we've come to the end. It's time for some thank yous. Love the thank yous. Hey. Tech department, thank you for plugging in all those goodies and gadgets into this po- uh, podcast for those listeners to keep them active, alert, and paying attention. Thank you, technology department. Technology. Thank you, Bell Jar. Happy New Year's, boys. Uh, we're on the street. Uh, talk to a couple of the guys. They might have some new music out coming out in uh, 2017. Oh, fantastic. fantastic. Uh, if we get an official word on that, obviously we'll pass it along to you guys. And uh, last thank you, of course, the biggest thank you. Thank you, listeners out there. Mike and I are humbled. We're, we're entertained. Uh, you put a smile on our faces. Um, tuning in to the podcast and plugging it into your earbuds however you choose to. So thank you, listeners out there. We're, 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 we're humbled and, 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 and feeling very gracious. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. We've got the bells are coming in right now. Folks, monkeys fighting robots. Screen the screen or vote for us. 
email the show sdspodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at sdspodcast. Uh, rate us on iTunes, rate us on Stitcher, subscribe, tune in radio, cross the board. Big games coming, big games going. Gus, happy new year, my friend, 2017. We are just three months away from Christmas in March.